isn't it nice that God's strength is perfected in our weakness? <laughs> because sometimes when he calls us to do stuff, we're feeling kind of weak. That's kind of how I'm feeling today. A good friend of ours passed away and he had four kids and the situation surrounding his passing was really tough. So yeah, we lift up his family to you, God, and pray that you would comfort them as they're walking through grief. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Has anybody heard of Pentecost Sunday? Some of you, a few of you. I didn't know what Pentecost Sunday was when I was first meeting Jesus. I'd never heard of it. Um, so what is it? So in the culture that the Bible was written in, they did like feasts, kind of like Lorinda, you're going to a celebration, a canoe fest. What is the name of it? I don't want to. Celebration 2022. Okay, Celebration 2022, where tribes come from all over and get together and celebrate. A canoe journey. Okay, so in the days that the Bible was written, they had days like that too. They were like holidays or holy days and they called them feasts and people came to together to remember what God had done or to honor God. Um, and Pentecost, which is called like back in that culture, it was called Shav, what? Shav, Shavuot. <laughs> um, um, that is Pentecost and something really cool and really amazing happened after Jesus went to be with his father on Pentecost. So that's what we're going to talk about. But just for the foundation, I'm going to have Bobby come up and share sort of a historical significance so that we kind of understand like, what is this whole Pentecost thing? Because actually, I don't even know what he's going to share. So I'm learning too. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, learn. All right, so um, I guess you want to make sure this because I'm somewhat of a nerd and I like to geek out on, you know, times and customs and different things in the Bible. But um, yeah, so Shavuot was, um, you can find it in Leviticus 19.10, I believe. Um, I believe that's where it's at. But um, so you, you read about like, you know, New Testament with Pentecost and how they're all gathered, you know, there's all these people from all over the place. And you kind of wonder, like, what's going on here? I mean, we celebrate the falling of the Holy Spirit. And we, we, you know, when we look at Pentecost, we look at that. But what are all these people doing in Jerusalem? Like, what is this? And what it was is it was a uh, harvest um, festival. And so, um, so it was a wheat harvest. And um, if you read in Leviticus, um, what it's saying is that, um, so they go out. And this isn't like, it's agricultural, right? But it's not like, here in America, where we have like farming is like a multi-billion dollar, you know, industry. These are like family farms, you know, and so, um, so it's not like large plantations. It's just small farms and that's how they, how they live. And uh, so in Leviticus though, it says not to, um, to cut the corners of your field, to let those, those parts of the field grow and to give it to the poor, to the orphan, you know, to the widow, um to the foreigner and so um so that's a really important thing because it's a celebration of provision of prosperity you know of like almost like our thanksgiving you know it's a time to thank god for the harvest 
for, um, you know, as they gather the harvest, but also there's this reminder of um, gratitude or uh, it's gratitude, but it's also like, um, what's the word? Um, generosity, right? To keep our hearts right. Like when we, when we thank God for our blessings, make sure that we're actually giving of our blessings to others and the foreigner and the, the poor and the people, you know, the, the widow, the ones that don't have, you know, family, like, like the foreigner, I think is really, really significant because that's like somebody that's from a different tribe. That's somebody that we don't understand. That's somebody that we may not, is, may not be from our culture. And at that time, you know, that was really significant to, uh, to give to the, um, some, some Bibles will say like sojourner or, you know, the, the person kind of passing through or, you know, somebody that just doesn't really belong there, you know, um, in, in maybe the mind of the Hebrew people at the time. So if you go into the New Testament and you look at like really what's going on, and I, are you going to share all that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm sure she'll get into that. But just think about that, like think about that, that blessing to the foreigner, you know, that person of another tongue, so. Thanks. Alma shared what I was going to share. Then I could have been like, amen, let's see. <laughs> but okay. So we're going to read in Acts chapter two. I forgot to write the scriptures. That's from last week. We're not in John five this week, but we're going to read in Acts chapter two. And to set the stage, Jesus has resurrected. So here's where we're at. So there's like this festival that had been going on. And this is during that time, what Bobby explained. Um, and now it's Jesus had, has resurrected from his death on the cross. Remember we celebrated Easter and his resurrection, like, 40 days ago, 50 days ago. What? Right now, well, we're going to be in one first, but um, mainly we're going to be in chapter two. So to set the stage, Jesus had resurrected from his death on the cross. He'd been hanging out and eating with his followers for 40 days. So after 40 days, the Bible says he went to rejoin with God, the father in heaven. And he told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, it says he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So let's try to imagine what it would have been like to be a Jesus follower in those days. Okay, let's put ourselves there. So here we are, our dear teacher, Jesus, who is also our friend, has been brutally and publicly executed. And he was dead for three days. So that's where we were, right? During the time he was being killed, like while they were crucifying him and when he was dead, we scattered, we hid. Because if they killed our leader, surely that they were wanting to kill us too. But lo and behold, what Jesus said would happen because Jesus tried to tell his followers, okay, I'm gonna die and it's gonna be really brutal, but in three days I'm gonna resurrect. But they didn't really get it. And I don't think we would have really gotten it either really, to be honest, <laughs> at least me. Can speak for myself. It would have been really scary, I think, to see our leader dead and we were hiding and we're probably feeling a lot of shame. 
But then he comes back. He actually did resurrect. It came true and he was raised from the dead. After he was resurrected, he hung out for 40 days. And it always says eating and drinking because it wasn't like a ghost that was here, but it was Jesus like hanging out with his friends, just like we're going to have soup after church. Jesus was there hanging out and eating. And I imagine like joking and showing them his scars and being like, huh, I told you so. <laughs> Maybe not like that, but you know, that's what I imagine. <laughs> I think that he was pretty personable. Um, so after he resurrected, he hung out for 40 days eating and drinking. So he really was alive. But then after 40 days, so you're super excited, like he was dead and now he's alive and now we're hanging out and, you know, come over for dinner. And he's like, well, actually, 40 days later, he's going to be taken again. And this time he's not taken in death because Jesus conquered death, right? He died once, he resurrected, and he conquered death. So this time he was taken by God, body and soul, um, to be with God and re rejoin to God in heaven. So, um, but Jesus, always trying to prepare us, tries to prepare us for his leaving saying like, Oh no, I'm going to go again, but it's going to be good that I go because when I go the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy spirit will come and empower you. I don't know for me personally, if that would be comforting or not, especially after the whirlwind of events that I had just gone through. Um, how would you feel if you were one of these people and what would you be thinking? Any ideas? How would you guys feel? spirit you know coming and fighting me i mean that would be weird yeah it would totally mm -hmm. i would be kind of like wanting to watch jesus like no you're not going again <laughs> stay here you know mm -mm. Mm -hmm. yeah it'd be kind of confusing and Thing would be kind of scary like because those people that killed jesus are still out there and i don't think they're very happy that jesus resurrected they didn't throw a party for him they tried to say that his stole his body you know they're like oh crap he really did raise from the dead what are we going to do well let's say that somebody stole his body and so we'll call that you know so they were trying to spread the rumors that jesus didn't resurrect and if you're witnesses of his resurrection, what do you think he wants to do? What, did, what are they going to do to you? They're going to try to silence you. So they were hiding. They were really freaked out. Not only had they seen amazing, miraculous things happen, but they were probably really emotional after all they had seen. Talk about PTSD. You know, that would be crazy. That would be like some serious PTSD for real. There were religious leaders and systems who would probably like to take them out, like I was talking about, and they were hiding. Um, can you guys think of systems today that like take people out? There's, well, the jail. Yeah, the jail system. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people in jail now that have been in jail for decades for like selling a bag of weed that's now legal. I mean, what is that? That's taking people out. And other stuff too, that's just an example. What would you say, Jessica? Oh, I said like CIA. Oh yeah, like the CIA. The like mafia. powers, what? The mafia. Yeah, the mafia is a power that hopefully doesn't have any of our names. <laughs> yeah, 
but there's these systems of power that we feel a little bit powerless to like the DMV or the, or CPS or collection agencies, even IRS. the IRS. Yeah. Chucky. And they, it feels like they have power and we don't, and that we're subjected to them. That's kind of how it was back then. There was these religious leaders and they had the power. And so Jesus's friends and followers, they were hiding. And like, like Barbara said, what is this Holy Spirit that Jesus promised? Like, what does that even mean? What does it look like? And was it something that was really going to happen? Or was it something that would, they'd be like, has it happened yet? Like, is the Holy Spirit there? So 10 days later, so they're hiding out now in Jerusalem. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came to Jesus's friends and followers. And it came in such a crazy, like, incredible way that they didn't have to guess, which I think is really cool. I went to um, Yellowstone when I was a little girl with my grandparents and there was this lady, we went to watch Old Faithful erupt. And there was this lady that there was like little sputters and it would like throw a little bit of water up and she'd be like, there it is, yay, that was it. And she did that like four times when these little like spits and then she took off because she's like, I saw Old Faithful. And then after she left, it like erupted <laughs> like a huge eruption. And that, um, I think about that. I think like, were these people up there, like, you know, they have a feeling or something happens and they're like, was that the Holy Spirit? Maybe that was the Holy Spirit. But luckily it was like a big eruption. They didn't have to guess. So Acts, we're going to go to Acts chapter two. We're going to start with verses one through four. And I don't know what page that's on. I didn't look at it. Bobby, what page is that? 854. In the older, in the thicker Bible. We have two different Bibles with two different page numbers. Okay, 909 in the thicker Bibles and 854 in the thinner Bibles. So it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Like I said, it wasn't like, was that it? It was like, wow, that was it. The power from on high had fallen on them in a mighty way. And now um, verse 5 now they were dwelt, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So they were there for what Bobby talked about, for that festival, for that feast day. Just like I said, like the tribes are gathering where Lorinda's going. There were all these different people from all these different lands gathering together there in Jerusalem. So that's why there's all these people here. And at this sound, so this was crazy because all these people heard it. This sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who speak, who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. 
And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. So some of these people, um, well, I believe that God gave the people who were willing to listen a special understanding in their own language. You know, obviously, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't there and I don't know, but what I think is that God, the people who were willing to receive what God was telling them and wanting to hear the mighty works of God, they received it in their own language and in a miraculous way. Some of the people were receptive to what the Holy Spirit was doing and heard the mighty works of God in their own language, but there were mockers too. Um, we can have a special understanding in a way that we understand. These people, the people who were closed off to the message God was speaking were not understanding and they thought the disciples were drunk. This reminds me that I always want to be receptive to what God is saying. And I don't want to mock what might be out of the ordinary or something that I don't understand. So I don't, there's a lot I don't understand. So we don't ever want to be in that place of mockers saying, oh, they're just drunk, you know, or whatever God is doing. Um, sometimes he does some pretty wild things. And um, we want to be the ones that understand. We want to receive in our own language the mighty works of God. So if the people were there celebrating a feast, um, they were probably like devout followers. They're coming to bring their offering for Shava, Shav, Shava, Shav, whatever. Shavot, Shavot. <laughs> right, Bobby? Shavot. They're coming to bring their offering. So they probably knew the words of the prophet Joel. So Joel's a book in the Old Testament. And people during that time would have studied those books. They didn't have the New Testament, but they had the Old Testament. And they would have probably most likely known it. And Peter's going to remind them what the prophet Joel says and relate to them what was happening. So we're going to look at Acts 2, 14 through 24. And it says, um, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit, let's go back a little bit. The Holy Spirit had just poured out. There were tongues of fire on people's heads. They're speaking in different languages. This is like organized God chaos, kind of, I picture. You like fire on your head, lots of shouting. Everybody hears. People think they're drunk. And Peter steps forward and he's like, listen here. Hey, all of you. Everybody, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. He gets practical, right? <laughs> no, what you see was predicted a long ago by the prophet Joel. So he's going to read to these people something that they know, but they haven't related it to Jesus, and it's going to open their eyes. So here's what it says in um, in the book of Joel. This is what Joel prophesied, and this is what Peter is going to proclaim to these people. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke 
The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in Romans 12, 2, it says the same thing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Oh, sorry, 10, 13. Everyone, yeah, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a truth that is good to be repeated, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My friend George, who passed away, he called on the name of the Lord, and I totally believe he was saved. Even though it's sad for us, it's happy for him. Um, so, and then Peter goes on to say, so that right there was out of Joel. And so now the people in the crowds who are hearing things in their own languages are like puzzled, like, wait, we know these words. And they're like seeing these prophecies come to pass before their eyes. They're tripping, right? And then Peter says, people of Israel, listen. And there he's going to like drop this bomb on them. Okay. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene. Remember they crucified him. By doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his its grip. Okay, he's not like pussyfooting around he's not like i better be careful what i say he's like no jesus who you killed is raised from the dead and death could not keep him in its grip okay peter has some boldness here he's not hiding anymore he's ready to proclaim the truth and then if you go down to verse 37 it says peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles brothers what should we do peter replied because i mean where it says that peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles brothers what should we do because they're wondering now they're like uh-oh we killed jesus he raised death has no grip what do we do right they're probably feeling a little bit panicked all these people from all these different places peter replied each of you must repent of your sins and turn to god and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So the, in the morning, before the Holy Spirit came, it started with 120 people. Now it says there's about 3,120 people that are added to the church. And sometimes when they say numbers in the Bible, sometimes it's just, they just count the men, unfortunately. So who knows if it was just 3,000 men not counting the women and the children and whoever else. Could have been 10,000. So that may feel like a boring history lesson to all of you guys about what, so that's Pentecost. That was like the Holy Spirit Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell on people, people got saved, people got baptized. God wrecked people in the best way ever. He transformed their lives. 
So how does this apply to us today? This is not just a history lesson. It's the story of the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is continuing for all of us today. Remember what Acts 2 verse 39 said? This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. We are the ones far away called by the Lord our God. Every one of you in here and every one of you on Zoom are those far away called by, um, called by the Lord our God. So we're included in this. It's really good news because we need the Holy Spirit desperately. And it's not just something that's like weird or goofy. I don't know if any of you have had any kind of encounters like that with people, but it's something that we need um, for our life, for living. I know what my life was like before I had God and before I had the Holy Spirit and I was empty. And I kept trying to fill my life with things that were not filling it. And I like to describe it, um, this is gonna fall and I'm gonna lose all my zoomers. <laughs> I like to describe it like my heart and my life is like a puzzle. And I would lay in bed and I would think of things, there would be like this empty void spot. And I would try to think of things that would fill that spot in my heart. And so I was like, well, maybe if I go back to school, maybe if I get a better car or a better job or whatever, right? And I tried some of those things and guess what? They didn't fill my heart or drinking or using like that thing would like make a little patch, but pretty soon it would pop out and it would feel like the hole was even bigger. But I can honestly say when I asked God to come into my life and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, that hole is filled and I've never felt that emptiness again. I've never felt that void because anytime I start creeping towards that, or like feeling like, I don't even know if I, I mean, I feel despair, but it's a different kind of despair. It's not a hopeless despair. It's a despair that I can cry out to God and that he fills it, if that makes sense. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? What do you guys think? What do you think the Holy Spirit does for us? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Any ideas? Empowers us, yeah. Yeah, it refreshes our soul. Gosh, that's so good. That's what I need today. Holy Spirit. Yeah, renews our mind. That's super important because our minds can kind of get twisted. Yeah, relaxes our heart. You got your heart relaxed both physically and spiritually, didn't you, Jackie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Peter couldn't have, they were hiding in a room waiting for the Holy Spirit. Peter wouldn't have got up and been like, you guys killed Jesus, and here I am, and I'm his follower. He hadn't been empowered with the Holy Spirit, right? That's some big time empowerment. The Holy Spirit comforts us. It's kind of like a mother, I picture, like, like holding you and hugging you. And those times when you feel really sad and really broken and really hopeless, the Holy Spirit brings comfort, boldness, wisdom. You know, if we don't know what to do, we can ask God and like, oh, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom for this because... I don't know what to do. I don't know what path to take. You know, that happens a lot. Power and to share the good news of Jesus with others, right? God gives us the Holy Spirit so we can do what Peter did and share the good news. Jason? 
Yeah. Yes. The main connection with our relationship with our father. That's so true. It's the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. That's pretty big. There's a scripture in the Bible. I can't, but Jessica, do you remember where it is that Roger was talking about on Friday at the Bible study that said, maybe Roger, where's that scripture? He's on zoom that says the things Jesus did, we can, we're going to do those things and greater. What is that? That almost feels blasphemous or like <laughs> wrong. It was like John 15 or 16 or something like that. It's John 14, 14, John. 20, 21 or something around there. Okay. That was Roger. Thank you, Roger. It's John 14, 21 or somewhere around there that we're going to do what Jesus did and even greater because of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's not something like that is our own doing. So it doesn't have anything to do with pride or puffing ourselves up. It's God in us, bringing us to the place where we need to be. And right here where it talks about sins, I know I've said this before, but God doesn't tell us what not to do because he wants to be the big bad guy. It's because he knows what hurts us. The things that he like says, don't do that, or things that are called sins or missing the mark. Go ahead. So, Linda. Um, so I was just thinking, so Jesus likes us to be disciples mm -hmm. and to spread the word. Mm -hmm. So, like, I went to Spider's um, motor home and mm. I said, Are you ready to go to us? Wow. And then I went over here to Shoddy's house and, um, and asked him if he was ready to go yeah but that's kind of like discipleship. no that is discipleship Lauren that, that's going out every single one of you has a sphere of influence and there's people around you that know you and love you and they either listen to what you say with your words or they see what God does in your life or both God can transform your life in such a way that the people see it and when the Holy Spirit comes in you and things start changing and you start getting healthy and you start being able to lay down things that have held you and bound you, people notice. And that is a testimony of God's goodness in your life, but not only for you, but that's a testimony of God's goodness for the people around you. So when God saves a lifestyle or plucks them up out of addiction or whatever, he doesn't just save that one person. He sets them on a path to go out and spread his love with every person they meet because his life is, your life is a living testimony. Your life is a living testimony. So what is it going to testify to? Is it going to testify to the brokenness or is it going to testify to brokenness healed? Because that's what God does is he heals our brokenness. So what, Lorinda, were you going to say something else? Oh, I was just going to say, but sometimes you can't get, you can't, they won't listen to you. Mm -hmm. Like they both said, we thought you were a social worker. Yeah. Oh. And so Heather goes, just say that you're Heather's Matre. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good point, too. That, you know, there were those who mocked and said that the people were drunk. And then there was those who received and heard. And sometimes you're going to encounter people who are going to mock. And we bless them and we love them. And we keep going yeah yeah that's right sometimes you plant a little spark and they mock but you never knew it you know there was a guy I won't mention his name some of you probably know him 
Bobby and I used to promote music in the Valley, Christian rap, and then he did Christian rap concerts. And there was a guy who was like an active Satanist who would do these rap concerts that weren't Christian. And we would go to his shows because it always happened to be, right, Bobby? That he would be having a show in the Valley right before, like the weekend before our shows. So we would find his shows and we'd go in and buy tickets and give flyers to all the people you know, to promote for our shows. <laughs> and the guy would kind of mock us. He was like, he tolerated us. He knew what we were doing. He actually, there were some of his other friends who were Satanists that said that they wanted to curse us and he wouldn't let them for some reason. And he said like, I don't know why I didn't let them do that, but I told him not to. I told him you guys were different. And um, so, he would, he, he would mock us and he would, you know, we were the Christian, Christian rap, you know, and he was like the hardcore <laughs> satanic rap, but um, guess what? He's a believer now. And those were seeds planted and he loves Jesus and he's on a worship team in the Valley. And um, I never would have thought him. I never would have thought that person who mocked us because here we were bringing flyers to his, his club or his show or whatever, oh, I but yeah, don't say his name. <laughs> yeah. So um, we never know that little, like Chucky said, the little spark can start a fire. And sometimes we drop a little spark because the Holy Spirit prompts us and we walk away and we don't know, but that's smoldering and it's going to start a fire, right? Yeah. So God is good, guys. And today's Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came and fell on believers and the Holy Spirit is still falling on believers. The Holy Spirit is still. Um, I've never seen tongues of fire. <laughs> that would kind of freak me out. Maybe some of you had. Yeah, I've ate spicy food, but it's not quite like that, Chucky. But but I know that the Holy Spirit's still falling on people, and the Holy Spirit is still comforting and drawing and helping us understand in our own languages, whether it's rap music or maybe it's um, whatever art or whatever speaks to your heart. That's what God's going to speak to you with. And I just want to say, I think I say this every time I speak, but God loves you and he is for you and he is with you, even in your dirt. You know, Jesus hung out with like the sinners and our sin does not separate us from God. I want you guys to know that. And our sin does not separate us from the Holy Spirit. And when we get the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts separating us from our sin. And it's a process and that's okay. I'm in the process still. So I've got one more song to play, um, to worship to. And then during this song, if any of you guys want prayer, come up and I'll pray for you or afterwards too, if you don't want to come up during the song, but, or maybe I'm going to go in the back. So you don't have to come up front. Um, and I'll pray for you to receive the Holy spirit because that's how it works. <laughs> And um, I mean, maybe you have the Holy Spirit and you need a refreshing, right? Like I needed today and you guys all prayed for me. So I can pray for you for that too. And then after this, la this last song, and if anybody wants prayer, and then we have soup tonight. So all of you are invited to stay and have fellowship and hang out. Yeah. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that today we celebrate your Holy Spirit falling on ordinary people like us. 
We don't have to be high or mighty to receive you. I pray, God, for all of our hearts to be open to receive what you have for us today, each individual person. I thank you that you come like fresh wind, like fresh fire, and you blow away the things that are harming us, even things we're doing to ourselves. And I ask right now that you would encounter your people in a way, God, that, um, that knocks their socks off. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.